Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 2, Term 4, and this is Lesson 32. We are going to pick up where we left off. We're talking about Nicodemus. We are talking about the fact that Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that we understand from his statement that a radical new birth is what is required, not all kinds of good works. Amen? And the reason for this radical new birth is brought out uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul describes this new creation and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. And I know the sentence continues, but I just want to stop there for today. Understand that you are a new creation. Amen? That old things have passed away. Now, it doesn't say that old memories have passed away. You are going to have to deal with memories. Alright? And the way you deal with memories is to understand that you are a new creation. The old person no longer exists. You are not going to be held accountable as a new creation for what you did in the past in that way. By God. Now, man's laws are a whole other thing. You all understand, okay? Okay. So, you need to understand this in order for you to move forward. The Apostle Paul, in understanding that, says at one point, I have wronged no man. After he had done all kinds of bad things to the church, let me just say it that way, okay? Um, put them in chains and everything else. All right? He says, because he understood this truth, because he understood the miracle that took place on the inside of him, that the old Paul was gone. Amen? And there was a brand new creation on the inside. And why he says... All things have become new. Now all things are of God. Do you understand that that means that you can't do anything to make yourself better in that respect? That new birth was perfect. No, you ain't perfect, but the new birth was perfect. Okay? You have to work at being perfect. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You have to renew your mind, and you have to train up your body again, and all sorts of things. Those things weren't affected. But the part of you that needs to be changed, that you don't have any control over, and it, the thing that allows you access into heaven, God says, I'll take care of that. Because you can't. Amen? Alright. So, therefore, it is only those who have been reborn, according to Romans 10.9, alright? That's, remember, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, it's in your footnotes, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Okay, you don't have to bring up all your past, and you don't have to do all sorts of crazy things. That's all you need to do. Please don't make salvation any more complicated than Romans 10.9. Do you hear me? Okay, alright. You can do other stuff, but I'm just saying this is the simplicity of it. Okay, alright, so... Let me reread this again. So it is only those who have been reborn and are now spiritually perfect, that can enter into heaven. Okay? This is something that Nicodemus and all the good people in the world must realize if they're ever going to make heaven their home. And so thoroughly perplexed and confounded, it says in John chapter 3 and verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
No, but mother's going, get away from me. <laughs> okay, and happening. It was hard enough getting you out when you were little. Okay, but Nicodemus is asking a question. See, again, it's outward. He can't, he can't see anything spiritual. Also understand, no matter how much you know the law, now listen to me carefully, no matter how much people know the Bible, and they can know stuff, they can finish verses before you can get to the end of them. You start a verse, they can finish it. Doesn't mean that they have, they have been reborn. And that they understand anything that they're saying. Do you get what I just said? Okay. You can parrot things off and not understand what they actually mean. Alright. So, now, I'm not talking about anybody here. So if you know verses and you think, oh, is that me? No, no, no. You are a person that has been reborn, that understands spiritual things, and that has memorized the Bible. Hallelujah. You've got lots of daggers and swords at your disposal. Remember using the sword of the Spirit, because that's what you take the devil down with. So I'm not saying anything negative. If you know verses, hallelujah, praise God. All I'm saying is, if you run into somebody that knows all kinds of Bible verses, and you just look at him and go, I don't think this guy is saved. Okay, because the interpretation is all messed up. They don't understand the insights into what any of the, what the verses are saying. And all the stuff they're saying contradicts everything the Bible says, even though they know the verses. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. I need you to understand what's going on right now. Alright? It is this that we are talking about. Okay. In other words, as Carson points out, Nicodemus did not understand what Jesus was talking about at all. At this point, he could not believe that the new birth was a requirement for entrance into the kingdom and was amazed, these are all the verses okay, that substantiate this, by the very category. His response in this verse, verse 4, is therefore marked with incredulousness, that's disbelief, which prompts him to reply with a crassly, literalistic interpretation of what Jesus said as a way of expressing a certain degree of scorn. He's saying, you're saying I need to be born again. How can that happen? You want me to go back into my mother's womb? Do you understand? That's kind of the attitude that's coming out. All right. In all this, as William MacDonald explains, Nicodemus illustrates that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay? So Jesus hasn't died and hasn't resurrected. The new birth hasn't come in yet. So here we have a person that knows a lot of law, but hasn't been reborn yet. So Jesus is talking from a place where he just can't understand him now. He's, as soon as he switches on to spiritual things, Jesus started, talking to, you know, started to talk to him about points of law and, and discuss all that stuff. Oh, he would have known everything. But see, Jesus looked at him and said, you don't need me to pet your ego. And you don't need me to talk to you about things that you already know. Let me talk to you about something you don't know and you're going to need very soon. Because in a couple of years, something is going to happen. I'm going to the cross. Then I'm going to heaven. Then something miraculous is going to come down. Call the new birth. Or it's going to be made available, I should say. Amen? And you're going to need that. So you need to know right now what that is. You need to get it and then tell your congregation they need it as well. Okay? <laughs> and remember, he's a ruler of the Jews, man. Somebody needs to tell him. Amen. 
Therefore, even this highly knowledgeable Pharisee, with all his outstanding qualifications, simply because of his spiritual condition, being spiritually dead, cannot even begin to comprehend what Jesus is saying to him. And why it goes on to say in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, which is Jesus' way of confirming and emphasizing the importance and trustworthiness of what he's about to say next. Okay, Because he's saying most assuredly. Are you getting this? Okay, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now remember again, the first thought that enters people's minds when they read this phrase, unless one is born of water, is that in order to get in the kingdom of God, you must be water baptized. This is the verse they use. Okay, and I know I've discussed this in church before, but we haven't done it in Bible college, so I need to go through all of this. So hang with me. All right. However, as D.A. Carson points out, if water equals baptism is so important for entering the kingdom, it is surprising that the rest of the discussion never mentions it again. The entire focus is on the work of the Spirit, verse 8. The work of the Son, verses 14 and 15. The work of God Himself, verses 16 and 17. And the place of faith, verses 15 and 16. The argument presupposes that John the Baptist was so influential at the time that a mere mention of water would conjure up pictures of his ministry. Alright? In other words, what he's saying is, listen... Because we read the Gospels, because we understand how important what John was doing, it wasn't that way for everybody there. John was out there in the wilderness. He's baptizing people. Yes, they came in droves. Okay? But that wasn't something people aren't going to go, well, now that John is doing this, everybody knows this. Okay? Remember, they're, they're questioning. They were, they were going to ask John what gives the right to baptize people. So they weren't so happy with him either. So don't think that just because we know what's going on through the reading of the Gospels and the importance of what was going on at the time, that they had any knowledge of that. Okay, is what he's saying. We can't assume that, alright? Okay. But that certainly was not the case. In fact, Carson continues on to say that most important of all explanations is Ezekiel 36 verses 25 to 27, where water and spirit come together so forcefully the first to signify cleansing from impurity, the second to depict the transformation of the heart that will enable people to follow God wholly. In fact, it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, reading selected text, okay? Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. God is saying this. This isn't some man sprinkling water. Do you understand? Okay? Alright. He says... Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. We know this is God. Only God can put a new heart. Amen? He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my commandments and do them. This is what Jesus is referring to now. That's why he's going to get a little upset with Nicodemus when he's not understanding what he's on about. He's, he's going to look back at this and say, did you not read Ezekiel? All right, anyway. Carson says that the language is reminiscent of the new heart expression that revolve around the promise of the new covenant. Apparently Nicodemus had no thought of the Old Testament passages this way. 
if he was like some of the other Pharisees, he was too confident in the quality of his own obedience to think he needed much repentance, let alone to have his whole life cleansed and his heart transformed to be born again. Amen? Did you get all of that? Okay. Alright. In short, as Leon Morris puts it, Jesus makes it clear that it is impossible to fit oneself or make oneself fit for the kingdom. Rather, it is necessary to be completely renewed, born anew by the power of the Spirit. These solemn words forever exclude the possibility of salvation by human merit. Amen? Alright, that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen? So this is not about how good you were and how you got in because you did so well. This is all about God. His grace. Hallelujah. Because the problem, family, is this. To get into heaven, a place that is ruled, remember it is God's kingdom. Okay? And the king is perfect. And everybody in there is perfect. Nothing unclean can enter in. Do you understand? And so, the, the only way you can get in is if you're perfect. This is the problem. This is what they never understood. God isn't going to say, Oh, sweetheart, you did your best. So I'm going to let you in. Do you hear me? Best isn't going to get you in. 99.99999 isn't going to get you in. Only 100 gets you in. Are you all with me? And that's what Jesus died for. So that you could get 100 on your exam. It's his hundred, by the way. <laughs> okay? You take your whatever. You know, for me, it might have been 30. Okay? You might have done better. Okay? I, I exchange my 30% for his hundred and go, ah, look, God. And he goes, oh, yeah, come on in. That is the new birth. Absolute perfection. Now, let me just talk to you about this for a minute. That perfection is in you right now. You're not going to get it on last rites just after you die, just about you about to go, you know, and then the priest comes and says, quick, do your confession. Okay, mm, and you do your confession and he goes, okay, now you're good, you can go to heaven. Because at this point in time, you're perfect. If you ain't perfect before, you ain't going. Hear me, because we miss this. The new birth, the miracle of the new birth is that you are perfect now. Do you know Jesus said, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that what? Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. At which point? When you believe. At the point that you believe, at that point, a miracle takes place and you go from a person that has a natural life to an everlasting life. Everlasting life begins the moment that you make Jesus Lord. 
Okay, and that everlasting life is everlasting life in heaven. Okay, now there's a, another bad side, okay, for those that are not saved. There is something else that also lasts a very long time, and we won't go there today. Because we're talking about Nicodemus, we're talking about this new birth. And we're talking about what this new birth entails. It is life. It is life everlasting. It is a perfect spirit. You are perfect right now. You are going to heaven and you're going to be this way forever in heaven. Now, what are you going to do down here? Be perfect. Can we aim for that? Can we stop making excuses? Amen? Let's start doing all the things that Jesus did. Before we can even get to the greater works, let's start doing what he was doing. But in order to get that, you need to be convinced in your heart. Amen? That what Jesus did was more than enough. It was a perfect work. And everything is available right now in you to do extraordinary things. Amen? If we only receive that, we can start walking in that. Will it be tomorrow? Probably not. Might be a year, two years. But can I say, the journey begins right now. The moment you decide, it begins. Amen? And it is a journey. Okay? And it just keeps going and going until you get to heaven. Hallelujah. Okay. William MacDonald writes, Throughout the Word of God, we read that salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Baptism is intended for those who have already been saved, but not as a means of salvation. Did you get that? That's why I said, you know, I don't, I don't mind. I'm water baptized people. It's no big deal for me. Okay, but understand that's not getting you into heaven. You should already be going when we're baptizing you. Okay, if you ain't headed there after I get you wet, it's not going to help. <laughs> okay, alright? You're just going to go to hell wet. <laughs> no, you're not, nobody's going to hell. Alright, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, got to be careful what I say. Continuing on, before I put my other foot in my mouth. Jesus then goes on to say in John chapter 3 and verse 6, That which is born of flesh, or of the flesh, is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, is spirit. Leon Morris says that Jesus has been speaking of a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God. For entrance into that kingdom, a spiritual birth is required. Now to this D.A. Carson adds, The point is that natural human birth produces people who belong to the earthly family of humankind, but not to the children of God. Only the spirit gives birth to spirit. What is in view is a new nature, not turning over a new leaf. Did you get that? Okay. So, this is really important that we understand. Jesus is saying now, listen, there is a natural birth, there is a spiritual birth. Okay. You have been born naturally, we can tell. You asked, do I need to go back into my mother's womb? No, no, no. That's a natural birth. That's already happened. You don't need to do that twice. You get this now. Okay. He's saying, no, that's not what I'm talking about. You need another birth. It's a different birth. It's in a different realm. Okay, the realm of the spirit. Carson goes on to say that Nicodemus could not have been expected to know all that the readers of the prologue, okay, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, have absorbed. So we read all of that. We understand he doesn't know any of that stuff, okay? But from his study of scripture, his grasp of the distance between human beings and God and the axiom that like produces like, 
he should have understood the need for a God-given new birth. And God's promise that he would give his people a new heart, a new nature, clean lives, and a full measure of the Spirit on the last day. That is why Jesus told Nicodemus he should not be surprised. Okay? So, in other words, there are two things that, that Jesus was basing Nicodemus getting this on. Number one, the distance between God and man. They knew that there was a great gulf between God and man. Did you get that? Okay? And nobody could cross the thing. Alright? And the second thing was like produces like. So we know that if you were born of a human parent, there was a gulf between you and God already. Alright? So your natural birth already put you on this side of the gulf. Okay? So the only way we could cross this gulf and get to the other side is if you were born spiritually. Because a natural birth is not going to do it. You need to be born spiritually in order to gain entrance into a spiritual reality, a spiritual kingdom. Do you understand? Into God's kingdom. So what he's trying to say is, listen, you get it that like produces like. Okay? You get it that natural man will produce natural man. Flesh produces flesh. Spirit produces spirit. Now the flesh part is taken care of. You need a spiritual birth. Okay? Because spiritually you are dead. Physically you are alive, but spiritually you are dead. Amen. Alright, let's move on. Which is what is brought out in verse 7. When Jesus says to Nicodemus, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Alright? Notice Jesus says, this is something you must do. You cannot get to heaven unless you are born again. This is, this is the reason why you know, this whole born again movement came out from this one verse. Okay? Because they, they saw that Jesus said, you must be born again. And so a lot of times in their witnessing, that's what they say. And you know, they got to be known as you know, this, this born again, blah, 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 blah. Because of this. Now, it wasn't a cult or anything. They just understood what the Bible said. They were using that terminology. Okay? And got known for it. But that doesn't still take away from the truth of what is being said in this verse. Can I also say this? It also shows us that you can't just base your whole ministry on one verse. Okay? You need to know the whole counsel of God. Because otherwise, you know, when you get past this, what do you do? What's next? Amen? Alright. William Hendrickson, in his commentary, points out that the phrase, you must be born again, means that something has to happen to you. The Holy Spirit must plant in your hearts the life from above. Amen? I really like that. Okay? And so, with regard to the Spirit and the mysterious way in which He operates, Jesus goes in the same verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes. Now he's about to tell him, he's, he's, you know, because I know Nicodemus is just kind of like, okay, blow on me, I'll fall. <laughs> you know? He says the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, you know, a lot of people have trouble with this verse. Leon Morris explains that the meaning then is that the familiar wind has its mysteries. So people know about the wind, but they don't all know how all it works. Do you understand? These people know about God, they know about His Spirit to a degree, but they don't know how that's going to work. 
Okay, so Jesus is kind of saying to him, just settle down. You don't have to know how something works in order for it to work. Do we not know that truth? Amen. Okay. So he's saying here, it can be heard. Okay. Did Nicodemus and Jesus just hear a gust of wind at this point? Who knows? Okay. Yet people neither know its origin nor its destination. With no knowledge of scientific meteorology as we understand it, the wind, for the ancients, had something mysterious and unpredictable about it. And as is the wind, so is anyone who has been born of the Spirit. Okay, so he's saying it is a mystery. It won't be something that you can really understand. You won't be able to understand necessarily the whole mechanics of it. I don't understand the whole mechanics of it, even today. Okay, I'll just be honest with you. All right, and so what Jesus is saying is, and this is kind of, be careful of this as well. Have you noticed, as you, if you're witnessing the people, how they'll get, go off on what we call rabbit trails? Okay, they'll go ask silly questions. And it's like, who cares? Okay. Just know, you need this. It works. Get, you know, just get it. Ask your questions later, because can I just say this? Once you get it, you won't care about your questions. Amen. Okay? All right. In his commentary, D.A. Carson writes, Jesus is drawing an analogy between the effects of wind and the effects of the Spirit. We hear its sound. Watch the swaying grasses. See the clouds scudding by. So it is with the Spirit. We can neither control Him nor understand Him. But that does not mean we cannot witness His effects. Where the Spirit works, even though He cannot be seen, the effects are undeniable and unmistakable. Alright, now, on a more practical note. William MacDonald says that when a man has been saved, a change comes over him. The evil things which he formerly loved... He now hates. Remember the story about the dancing, okay? <laughs> that was a funny story. The things of God which he formerly despised, these things are now the very things which he loves. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how people, you know, they could just be the worst person on the planet. You get him saved. And now it's just like, wow, I get what you said. You just want to hit him over the head. Why didn't you get it before? Why? Because they're spiritually dead. Their antagonism comes from ignorance and blindness. Do you understand? That's what you need to keep seeing past. Whenever you are dealing with somebody and they're antagonistic against you, understand they're spiritually blind, they're spiritually dead. You are dealing with a blind, dead person. <laughs> okay? It's very hard to work with that. It is a miracle of God for the faith to say yes. This is where the power of the human will is so incredible. You can decide. You can allow things into your heart. Things you don't understand. And say yes, because you know there's something right about it. You don't know what's right about it, but you know it's right. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, you may not know why, but you just know. Do you know why? Because there's a part of you that connects with God. It's always there. Don't ever discount the ability of God to touch a heart. And to let someone know he is real. That what you are saying is true. And you may not be able to prove it, just like the wind. It's there. You can see its effects. You may not be able to touch it. You know, you can't really touch the wind, in a sense. You can feel it on you. Alright? But you can't really grab a hold of it. And yet, trees move. Clouds move. Things happen. 
All right? And you know that and that's that you need to understand that that's what's going on on the inside of the person you're witnessing to. The trees are moving. The clouds are going past. There is movement inside. They may say prove it, but stuff's happening. Keep at it. Amen. Just keep praying. Sometimes you know what? Their heart needs to be changed, softened. It's not about the argument. It's not about you convincing them. It's about them allowing themselves to receive what you're saying. Amen? It's not the strength of your argument. It's the willingness of their heart. Alright, I didn't finish this quote, so let's finish this. Just as no one can fully understand the wind, so the new birth is a miraculous work of the Spirit of God, which man is not able to comprehend fully. We can't understand fully how all it works, is what Jesus is saying to this man. Okay, remember they didn't have all the stuff we have today. Alright, so he's saying just like it's a bit of a mystery to you how all this happens, he's saying that's how the Spirit is. Don't try to figure it out, just know that it has an effect. And it will continue to have an effect. Alright, continuing on to John chapter 3 verse 9, it says that Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? So it must have been very difficult for Nicodemus to unlearn what he had always known as absolute fact. Okay, so remember again, he, he, he is very established in certain truths. With Carson pointing out that for years Nicodemus had taught others the conditions of entrance to the kingdom of God, conditions cast in terms of obedience to God's commands, devotion to God, happy submission to His will. But here... He is facing a condition he has never heard expressed. The absolute requirement of birth from above. Even after Jesus' explanation, he is frankly skeptical that such a birth can take place. And so it goes on to say in John chapter 3 and verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel? Do you not know these things? Can you, can you sense a little bit of frustration there? <laughs> okay. In other words, Jesus says that Nicodemus, in his role as a teacher of Israel, indicating that he was a recognized master and established religious authority, he, Nicodemus, should have understood everything that Jesus had said to him. Alright? And D.A. Carson paraphrases Jesus so wonderfully as saying to Nicodemus here, You are the Reverend Professor Doctor, and do you not understand these things? (laughs) Okay? Alright, this was the spiritual condition Israel was in. With John MacArthur saying, Jesus' reply emphasized the spiritual bankruptcy of the nation at the time, since even one of the greatest Jewish teachers did not recognize this teaching on spiritual cleansing and transformation based clearly on the Old Testament. The net effect is to show that externals of religion may have a deadening effect on one's spiritual perception. We will leave it there for today. We'll come back and we'll pick up in John chapter 3 and verse 11 next time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. And we'll pray and conclude this session.